working our way through the Belgian Confession right now, and we're starting Article 14 today. So let's go ahead and get along with this one. This is pretty lengthy, so bear with me. It says, We believe that God created human beings from the dust of the earth and made and formed them in his image and likeness, good, just, and holy, able by their will to conform in all things to the will of God. But when they were in honor, they did not understand it and did not recognize their excellence. But they subjected themselves willingly to sin and, and consequently to death and curse, lending their ear to the word of the devil. For they transgressed the commandment of life, which they had received, and by their sin they separated themselves from God, who was their true life, having corrupted their entire nature. So they made themselves guilty and subject to physical and spiritual death, having become wicked, perverse, and corrupt in all their ways. They lost all their excellent gifts, which they had received from God, and retained none of uh, them except for small traces, which are enough to make them inexcusable. Moreover, all the light in us is turned into darkness, as the scripture teaches us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not, over did not overcome it. Here, John calls the human race darkness. Therefore, we reject everything taught to the contrary concerning human free will, since humans are nothing but sl the slaves of sin and cannot do a thing unless it is given them from heaven. For who can boast of being able to do anything good by oneself, since Christ says, no one can come to me unless the Father, uh, except, I'm sorry, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. Who can glory in their will when they understand that the mind of the flesh is hostile to God? Who can speak of their own knowledge in view of the fact that those who are unspiritual do not understand the gifts of God's spirit? In short, who can produce a single thought knowing that we are not able to think of a thing about ourselves by ourselves, but that our competence is from God? And therefore, what the apostle says ought rightly to stand fixed and firm. God works within us both to will and to do according to God's good pleasure. For there is no understanding nor will conforming to God's understanding and will apart from Christ's involvement as he teaches us when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 17, we see a more in-depth account of the climax of creation, the creation of man that had been described in the previous chapter. The Lord formed man in his image from the dust, created the Garden of Eden, created the two sacramental trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then placed man into the Garden of Eden. Along with being placed there, he instituted positive law of tending to the garden and expanding it, procreating and not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Man was in a state of innocence, whereby his nature was untainted by sin and he was righteous in God's sight. The Lord condescended to establish a covenant with Adam, on one of condition. It was a do-this-and-live covenant where Adam obeyed what the Lord had demanded of him for the unspecified amount of time that the Lord had required. He would have earned for himself and all his posterity glorification and eternal life. But if he disobeyed, he would reap the consequences that the Lord had promised. He would surely die, both physically and spiritually. Even though it is not explicitly stated, we know it is a covenant because we can see both the matter and the form, the conditions through an oath and promise of blessings or curses. Theologians through history have referred to this pre-fall covenant by many names, but it is most commonly referred to as the covenant of works. 
But in the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, we see that Adam transgresses God's commands and eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He, as the mediator and federal head of this covenant, brings sin into the world whereby all of his posterity are spiritually dead, stand condemned before our Creator, and earn for ourselves physical death. Romans 5.12 tells us that, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, therefore death spread to all men, for all have sinned. We have become slaves to our sin. The entirety of our nature is depraved and held captive by our sin. We place ourselves at enmity with our Lord because we remain under the law, condemned. The prophet Isaiah says that our good works are nothing but filthy rags to God. We are unable to do anything that pleases Him because we only act according to our own sinful intentions. Imagine taking a lion and putting a bowl of raw meat and a bowl of fruits and vegetables in front of it. Which plate is it going to go for? The bowl of meat, right? No matter how much you try to talk to this lion about how, many, how healthy vegetables are for it, it's not going to take them because it's not in its nature. Man, as a result of the fall, by nature hates God. There needs to be a change in nature for the man before he can come to God and partake in the grace that he needs to do what is righteous in his sight. It's a heart transplant where the unrighteousness of the fall is removed from him and the righteousness of Christ is placed within him where he is raised to life spiritually. A transfer from being under the curse in the mediation and federal headship of Adam to being under the blessings in the mediation and federal headship of Christ. You're under either one or the other. And this is why the scriptures compare them and refer to them as the first and last Adam in 1 Corinthians 15.45. The patristic church father, St. Augustine, summarized the gist of what I've essentially said in this way. Before the fall of man was... Uh, uh, the, before the fall, man was able to sin and able to not sin. After the fall, man is able to sin and unable to not sin. After a man is reborn, he is able to sin and able to not sin. And at the eschaton, in glory, man will be unable to sin and able to not sin. Just imagine what it will be like on that day when we will be unable to sin. Sin will be entirely contradictory to our nature because we will be perfect in submission to his will in a glorified state. Let's pray. Lord, please come now and calm the nerves of the man that is being charged to bring your word this morning. Give him a comfort that you are his guide and that your spirit will go forth to convict the hearts of the believing and the unbelieving hearts in this congregation. For the believing, I pray that they bow down in repentance and further conform into the image of your son. For the unbelieving hearts, Lord, I pray that through this message, you would raise them to life through the atonement of the righteous man, that they would not perish and be blown away like chaff, but stand justified in your sight. Help us be alert and receive the word of Christ and him crucified preached. In the blessed name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit.